You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And Bernie English asks the question on the front page of this week's Limerick Post newspaper, is Aer Lingus taking flight from Shannon? Fears that Shannon Airport will be left with minimal connectivity have rocked the Midwest region this week with reports that Aer Lingus has offered its transatlantic routes to the UK's highest bidder. Airline bosses are not commenting on reports that the national carrier intends to take the two planes which have been grounded at Shannon since Covid struck out of Ireland and into a British airport where self-isolation regulations are not as strict. If that happens, Shannon will be left with just one transatlantic service next year operated by American Airlines. Delta and United Airlines have already confirmed they will not resume flights from Shannon in 2021. Nor is there clarity around the Aer Lingus service from Shannon to Heathrow, but a spokesman for the Shannon Group has confirmed that they are in talks with the carrier about resuming Heathrow and US flights next year. Huge concerns have been raised about the possible move both in the business community and the political arena. You can see page 6 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper for the full story. And in business news this week, on page 4 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper, David Raleigh reports that Regeneron Covid vaccine project brings 400 jobs boost to Limerick. An injection of 400 jobs into the local economy is the silver lining on the coronavirus cloud that has settled over Limerick, he writes. With its US parent plant involved in the race to find a COVID-19 vaccine, biopharmaceutical firm Regeneron is expanding its Limerick workforce to manage its other interests. This will bring the total number employed at the Raheen campus to 1,400 on foot of a 1 billion euro investment in just over six years. The company said the new workers will be involved in the production of Regeneron's existing medicines as it maximises manufacturing capacity at the New York facility. This is where RegenCov2, Regeneron's investigational two-antibody combination is being developed for the treatment of COVID-19. Taoiseach Michal Martin and Tánis de Leo Varadkar visited the Regeneron plant last Thursday to announce the new jobs during a torrential downpour. Standing alongside them, Limerick Fine Gael TD Kieran O'Donnell said Regeneron's expansion was great news for us here in Limerick. And you can read the full story on page 4 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper. And on page 8, a new plan for Westfields Wetland, Alan Jakes reports. A team of environmental consultants has been employed by Limerick City and County Council to draw up a management plan for Westfields Wetland on the north side of the city by the end of the year. The wetland covers around 25 hectares and is part of the Lower River Shannon Special Area of Conservation. It is bounded to the south by the embankment of the River Shannon and the Condell Road and to the north by private housing. It is widely used as a local amenity and is a host to a variety of wildlife including migrating wildfowl that visit the area. However, there are some challenges for the area from an amenity and a biodiversity perspective which are to be addressed in the new management plan. Over the years, bulrush growth has encroached around the viewing platform at Westfields Lake, making it more difficult to view duck, swans and other wildfowl. Also, there are invasive alien species in a number of areas around the site, which require careful consideration and management. And that story is available on page 8 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper. And in this week's Limerick Post show, Megan Scully caught up with the people behind the scenes at Crew Brewing Company. And this is what they had to say. Hey, Megan Scully, and this is the Limerick Post show. And we're in the brand new space, the Crew Brewery. I keep saying that word wrong. You're going to say it to me because I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, it's Crew Brewing Company. That might be easier for you. 
I just can't say that word. It's like brewery and I always get it wrong. Jono, Gareth and Joel, of course, this is your new baby. So first of all, bring us back. How did you get into brewing beer? Um, I just started doing brewery tours when I was living in Canada and I just kind of fell in love. They're all like, every time you do one, it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There's just beer everywhere and everyone's enjoying themselves and everyone's so happy. So I just decided that was the life for me. Uh, I started working at a brewery and then um, decided we wanted to open our own place. We've been talking about opening a business together since we met eight or nine years ago. And uh, so I went to Chicago and then to Munich to become a master brewer. Uh, so I'd be a little more confident running my own place. Um, and then we came back to Ireland, started looking for the best place to, to open the business. And then we found here. I have to say, it is a great location too. You're surrounded by some really good spots. Now, Gareth, you mentioned that you're from the kind of hospitality industry. So are you going to be looking after the hospitable side of this place? Yeah, that's it. The more front of house operations, not that there's been any of that yet. So <laughs> like so far, it's just been trying to figure out everything together in terms of planning permission, licensing and everything else we need to set up before we get open. But then once we're open, yeah, that'll be it. Joel and I met around 10 years ago um, and we started a job in the restaurant the same day. Um, we've been friends ever since and we've just both been working in uh, front of house hospitality jobs working our way up um, in the industry ever since. I have to say this is the, the best little companion here. This is Tess. Sorry Tess, we've got to introduce you on camera. Um, Joel, talk to us about how it's been. Obviously we're in a pandemic, Covid happened, you probably shut the place down and now you're trying to get going again. How has it been? Uh, things have been slow but it's also given us an opportunity to build it exactly the way we want. There's the tanks behind the bar. Uh, originally from a little sketch that Gareth wrote. Mm. These booths, benches, like a little model that we made in the house. <laughs> the carpenter just copied it and made the exact same thing. So everything's coming together like a little dream come true, really, so. It's a beautiful spot. Um, Jono, tell us about the beers that are gonna be available here. Uh, first year, we expect to brew between 30 and 40 different beers. Wow. And some of those multiple times, the more popular ones, the ones we're happier with. So um, kind of everything, like we're studying in the US, I learned a lot about the like, more modern craft styles, IPAs and that sort of thing. Uh, and then studying in Germany, I learned a lot about like more of the classic, like traditional German styles. So kind of everything. We also have um, a fairly small batch size, so we can experiment a lot. So also if anyone has any suggestions, we'll probably brew it. Like we're kind of up for the challenge to brew anything. <laughs> You can see that full interview online at limerickpost.e forward slash show. And in this week's episode of Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, the two talk about what statues bring to society, the tearing down of them, and other ways of commemoration. Berndine was one of the first reactions, and it was kind of, why Why are we? Why more statues? Do you know? Why more statues? Why more statues? Uh, can mm. we not think differently? And especially at a time when statues are being, are being torn down, Mm. and yeah so from your point of view Stephen as an economist as a as a human of the world like what's your take on on the tearing down of of statues so two things the first is that economists talk about uh, how we live in the public realm as the production of public goods or public bads Mm -hmm. You think about a public good, we always talk about goods, but they're actually public bads. So think about a pollution as a public bad. Things just get worse when there's more pollution. Mm -hmm. And a public good is something where things get better, the more they get better for other people if you produce it. So think about beauty. Um, Think about a a gorgeous garden or um, think about, um, you know, uh, redesigned cityscapes, which are just much, much nicer for people to be around. 
uh, think about um, reconditioned industrial zones that are now just 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 parks and just really nice places. You can turn a public bad into a public good uh, very quickly, right? Mm. Um, and there's other ways to do it. You can do it with regulation. You can do it with taxes. You can just, everyone can just decide that they're not doing this. Um, and when you think about a statue, a statue is, is supposed to be a public good. It's supposed to be something that marks the history of a place, the, the iconography of a place. It's supposed to convey grandeur and gesture. It's, it's a public meeting place a lot of the time. It's often supposed to signify nationhood and statehood. And, and, and it's, it, it's sort of a mixture of art and uh, symbols and semantics a lot of the time, right? Um, but the idea is it's supposed to say, this is us. We are here because this is who we were, right? So yeah. we have Parnell Street, you know, we have O'Connell Street, you know, um, and, and, and um, you know, I presume at some point in the future, we'll have Dolores O'Riordan Street, right? So it's just, there are people who have shaped us in the past. They are quite dead. This is very important. So very few people have statues erected to them in, during their own lives. Yeah. Um, uh, very, very few people. Um, but but uh, there could be. Um, there can also be... Um, Statues to ideas it can be statues uh, that, and when I say statue, what I don't mean just, you know, a bloke on a pedestal, although typically most statues are men actually, but it, it could just be a, a thing, a sign signifying object. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, when, when we think about these things for certain classes of people, uh, a statue is not a public good. It's a public bad. So if, for example, you happen to be uh, a descendant of slaves, uh, walking past a statue, which is depicting and obviously glorifying somebody who used to own slaves, is a public bad for you. It, it's making you feel worse. And there's a brilliant poem which a Bristol-based poet um, uh, uh, wrote, and she recorded it the day after she helped pull down the um, statue of a very well-known slaver who, who helped build a fair bit of Bristol, and his name is on all the stuff. I can't remember the man's name, unfortunately, now. Mm. But um, they yanked, they yanked his, 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 his statue into the sea. And uh, she has this brilliant line at the end of the poem. And we'll link to it at the end of this uh, uh, thing. I'll, I'll send it to you. And yeah. uh, she said, and when you fell apart, I could see that you were empty. You know, and it was just like, wow. You know, it was, it was just, just brilliant. It was floored me. It was a fantastic line. And um, Edward uh, Edward Colston. That was Edward me. Colston. Yes, yeah. and the the the, the latest poem I, it will come to me in a minute. But uh, yeah. uh, she was fantastic, and she she was one of the activists that pulled it down. But um, so the idea is 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 uh, there's a pedestal there. What should you put there? You know, what should you put there? And also, who gets to decide what goes there? You know, that's another really important point. Um, who gets to decide what goes there? So typically, the city authorities. Mm. So there's a certain sense of officialdom that comes with this. You know, you can't, you and I just can't rock up and like build a statue and just slap it down wherever we feel like. We can't, we don't have that right. Um, it would be interesting if we did, because in a certain sense, graffiti art, street art, uh, murals are kind of saying, no, 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 this is ours. This, is, this street is ours and we're going to paint it up any way we like. Yeah. Um, the, the laneways of Melbourne, they began like that. They began as, as artistic projects mm -hmm. that the council in Melbourne realized, oh, wait, no, we could take some ownership over this excellent art and help curate it. 
but they actually didn't sanction it first off. They said, no, no, we don't want this. They were painting over it a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's a question for the artist. If you define yourself as an oppositional artist, I'm not part of the status quo. And then the status quo says, actually, we quite like what, what you do. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. For more news, sports, arts, entertainment, and much, much more, you can visit limerickpost.ie. And to keep up to date with all Limerick news, follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted.